Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Come and minister to, our, to us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Robbie. So yeah, as, as Robbie said, um, we're, we're just going to take about 10 minutes in this. What we want to do to the nights, as well as teaching in each of these the different elements of our vision statement. Obviously, we have Vision Sunday coming up in September. Uh, it's one of those ones that, well, well this is something that it's, it sounds snazzy to be able to say. It's one of those ones which we want to embody, we want to live out fully, um, every single one of us. And carrying this, understanding that this is what we want to commit to as a, as a community of faith together. We want to be about this, helping to rewrite the story, firstly, of Craig Avon, of, of this city. And one of the things we've, we've been singing about even tonight has been um, about our story and about our song and uh, about our shout. Um, Ephesians 5, 16, it actually references that. It says, pretty much the saying, this is in, make the most of every opportunity. You know that our, that our shout, our song, our story is significant and what God wants to do in your life. But one of the tactics of the enemy is that he, he wants to nullify, he wants to quieten and dampen your song, he wants to quieten and dampen your shout. Uh, and there'll be fear, there'll be comparison, there'll be insecurities that will come in. And one of the things that can so easily happen when it comes to something like rewrite the story of Craig Avon, Chris is going to do a teach on it uh, for the remainder of the night off the back of this. But one of the things that can so easily happen, it's the unknown of how on earth could you do that? Uh, and so what we've asked these guys to do, they're, they're amazing people, but the last thing we're saying is, right, these guys are the pinnacle of it all, and this is a comparison thing, can you be as good as them? But what it is, we just want to share stories that in some way can make this accessible to people, that can help people to understand how simple and easy it can be and uh, to engage with this. Uh, and so we just want to go through this uh, and just hear from each of these guys, um, some of them from our Portadown church, some of them from the Lurgan church, and Firstly, this is my good friend Tristan. Hello. Oh, is it on? Is it on there, Matt? Hello. <laughs> there, there he is. Uh, Tristan is from Portadown. Um, Tristan, why, why don't you tell the guys just a little bit about what you do in terms of your work then daily? Okay. So I'm a psychiatric nurse, um, something that I've come into later in life. Um, I qualified about four years ago, uh, coming up four years now. So I've been working... Currently, I work in the community, working with people who have severe and during mental illness problems in this area and the surrounding areas and all around the Southern Trust. So it goes far as Newry, Kilkeel, all around the places, Dungannon, places like that. So obviously, it's one of the things uh, which we see um, people engaged with mental health, obviously, over the last wee while. I should have said this at the start. Um, we shared stories here in Lurgan over the last number of weeks with Reach and Aspire and Lynx. Some incredible things as well that Nicola and the guys are doing in Compassion. Some of these things that are happening day and daily. We want to make this accessible just at an individual level. You know, we say everyone every day, everywhere. And so Tristan has been doing this, you say, for four years. What are some of the ways that you see Tristan through your work? You're seeing people's stories or their lives being changed? Yeah, I think the main thing is I really encourage uh, a truthfulness. Um, I really see people's lives change when they understand maybe a wee bit more about themselves and maybe that means being um, sometimes more outwardly focused um, but also that means sometimes looking inwardly as well and believing things about themselves or, or re-understanding things about themselves. 
It's like um, Robbie, isn't it? Robbie was saying earlier on about people believing things about themselves. There's an incredible amount of people uh, within mental health services that believe things about themselves that are simply not true. Uh, for me, how do I help with that? I really have to be truthful with people. Um, I feel that I have to pray a lot <laughs> with work. Um, I get stuck a lot. Um, you, you, you're working with people who experience a lot of dark thoughts. You're working with people who are very vulnerable at times. And um, I end up sometimes not knowing what to do, but you know, I always have God's presence with me. I feel and that uh, I'm praying constantly, whether that's walking around Bluestone, whether that's in somebody's home or maybe in a conversation, stopping and praying. But yeah, once I think people really understand what the real truth is and when you see people, um, I suppose for, for an example, somebody who I worked with as a clan for a long time who believed that they were um, very worthless, um, horrendous abuse went on in their lives. But when they re-understood, really when they understood God's love are now working within the service, um, stories like, uh, like that are amazing. Yeah. And obviously, I, I know a bit of your story. You used to be yeah. around here with us in Lurgan. This, this, as you said at the start, you started into this later in life, but it was yeah. one of those calls that you felt really upon your yeah. life. C tell us about the journey and the intentionality of that yeah, for you. I, I suppose I was one of those people that believed the narrative about myself that wasn't true. Um, and for all the people from Portadown, I'm, I'm sorry you see her listening to this again, because <laughs> uh, I spoke a couple of weeks ago. Um, I came out of school and, and, and flopped out of school. Um, and I kind of then just crashed and burned, probably. Um, believing that I was a failure, and I just went into this lifestyle of just carelessness. Um, a lot of drink, I moved in Belfast, um, living with friends, um, a lot of partying, a lot of drugs in the house, um, that type of lifestyle, until I um, got married in, in 2006, and it started coming to Emmanuel. Um, we experienced the death of a friend, which sparked... Um, um, me dedicating myself back to life and my wife Esther and I both. That that experience was horrendous, an awful year, brilliant year and an awful year. But I knew that my work life was not where God wanted me to be. And I suppose it started by that um, journey of praying. And I think there's a responsibility for all of us as Christians to pray, especially when you see the statement to help rewrite the story of Craig Avon, Ireland and the nations. Responsibility for us to ask God, what does he want to do with you? And I asked God um, that, and I just knew. I didn't, I didn't really question it. Um, I knew he wanted me to work within mental health services. That was very difficult because I had no qualifications. I bombed out of school. It meant going back to the very start. So back to GCSEs <laughs> at the age of 31, which um, was great with a one-year-old child. Um, <laughs> and then um, GCSEs, A-levels, and then um, in the Queens to do a degree in mental health nursing. Um, Isabella was born on the first week of um, the degree, which was extremely difficult. But... This isn't about my story. It's about God working with me, it, it, or God working in me, um, and I totally give it all to Him because I could not have done it without Him. Um, my prayer life has just went probably over the years, and even even in the last six months, um, with a, with complete ignite. We we're talking about this earlier. If you get the chance to do ignite, and you're wondering 
is there something more to life? Just do it. I was the one last year going, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. But I just went. Mm-hmm. Esther gave me no choice. I had to go and do it. Uh, and it was unbelievable. Um, understanding how God thinks about you is a massive thing. Coupled with the responsibility that we must ask God, what does he want to do with us? I think that is massive. Imagine if everybody here went home. I'm not saying there's people that haven't done that here. I'm sure there's loads of people. Um, went home and prayed to God tonight. What do you want to do with me? What do you want to do with my life? Um, I think that's really powerful for me. That was the change. Um, and the other thing I felt like uh, uh, probably through Ignite was I felt that like God had blessed me with um, how to view other people, not just myself. And I felt that that was really fitting for working within mental health services for people who have such a low worth of themselves for me to go, I don't believe that about you. I actually believe that you can do that or you know, you have low self-worth. I believe that you're more than that. And uh, speaking against that darkness that they believe about themselves. So, yeah. Great. And just finally, before we move on to Anna, yeah. how would you encourage, so obviously from a vocation point of view, obviously this is Tristan's job. It's what he's doing at the moment. How would you encourage all of us in terms of our vocation at the moment to engage with this element of the vision statement, rewriting the story of the city? Yeah, it's that responsibility of, of just coming back to asking God, what do you want to do? Do it maybe daily. I don't know. <laughs> um, for me, it's big prayers. I mean, I just pray that, pray that um, the doors will be blown off Bluestone and there'll be a, a massive movement and shift in the atmosphere that's over people's lives that are, are there in the hospital. Um, yeah, big prayers. And, and yeah, we, we need people on their feet and moving for God. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Anna, <laughs> over to you. Um, you can pass that to Lee, Tristan, can you? Anna, um, is this one on as well, Matt? The, the green one? Is it on? Hello. Yeah. yeah, there we go. So, uh, Anna Anna has been on quite the journey of, over the last uh, number of years, um, I'll be putting it mildly. Um, Anna, why don't you, because I know, I know Tristan has shared a little bit about this, but share a little bit about the change that Ignite meant for your life, particularly over the last year. God saw me and walking into that, actually learning to walk into my new identity and who God said I was. Um, I suppose having really made a difference to my confidence, like now actually stepping out of my comfort zone and sharing with people, talking to people, just loving people, being able to volunteer, I suppose, and connect and stuff. Um, yeah, Ignite made a big, big difference. Yeah, and Anna went from a person who, who was afraid to pray, remember at one stage, afraid to speak. Afraid to speak. To <laughs> and, and it's just been amazing to see the change uh, in her life. Anna, so uh, just to set the background then for Anna, Anna, you are a, a stay-at-home mum, uh, you, you, uh, you're a housewife. Why, why don't you share a little bit about how you use your life and how you seek to see uh, God rewriting people's stories. What are some of the things that you do and open yourself to on a daily basis? For looking after the family, I volunteer in Connect Cafe in church Wednesdays and Fridays, which I absolutely love. Um, just being able to love people when they come in through the doors, regardless of where they're at. Being able to just, I don't know, show them Jesus' love, show them hope, show them that it's not 
there's a lot of hopeless people come into Connect and just actually taking time to sit and have a conversation and pray with them if they want prayer. I suppose other things that I do during the week would be with friends and family and neighbours and stuff is just taking time. I think that's one of the most important things I've realised is giving people your time, whether it be doing shopping for them, having a cup of coffee and a conversation. Um, Great. And, and so for anyone in the room who's maybe similar position, uh, stay-at-home mom or, or father, maybe out of work at the moment or retired, what would be your encouragement to them? Find somewhere to volunteer. It's really rewarding. It gives you joy to actually see that you're speaking hope into somebody else's life. Um, look out for people that are lonely and give them your time. Great. On the... On, on to Fireman Lee. This is this is Lee Allen. Lee is an uh, upstanding fireman in the in the community. So he's really helping to rewrite the story of Craig Alvin in, in that way. Put night, put night. Yeah, it's the people in the Guildford Road why the road was closed for so long, feeding us tea and coffee and buns. <laughs> Lee, so obviously that that's that's your work. It's, it's what you do. But there are so many other passions that you have. I suppose we want to look as well if we're talking about rewriting the story of Craig Alvin. Outside of work and different things, people in the room have different passions, different interests. What's one of some of the main ones of that for you? Um, rugby for me. Um, <clears throat> Rugby has always, I've played rugby now from when I was five, and I'm just out of my twenties. Um, so we are, so I've uh, played for about 25 years now. Um, recently moved to, played over at Bombridge. Started my rugby at Lurgan, moved to Bombridge, and now I came back to Lurgan. This is my third season. Great, and Lee is, and this is fresh off the press, Lee has been made Lurgan rugby captain for this season. So, yeah, we are. <laughs> You, you've, you've no idea how blessed we are to actually have him here tonight. You know, he's a very popular guy in, in the community now, so it's, well, thank you for giving us your time tonight, Thanks. Lee. <laughs> Lee, uh, the reason why I'd asked Lee to, to come and do this, um, Lee is one of those guys, and it's not just yourself, I know there's some of the other guys here as well that are part of the team, but there's an intentionality with which you guys are engaging with rugby at the moment in terms of how you share faith and how you engage with people. Why don't you share just a little bit about that? Um, yeah, so I suppose when I first came back to playing for Lurgan, um, some of the guys, some of us who we went around and we were praying and worshiping just in different places around around the Craigavon area and around Lurgan. Um, and there was one night we, we just went in the rugby club and just our hearts just really, really broke because just we all know the story of Lurgan and Craigavon. And I suppose because sport, that's where we spend, like for me, during the week, Tuesday and Thursday night, you spend so many hours with guys. Um, and then again on the, on the Saturday. And I suppose because we're just like, you spend so much time there start to invest the time there into the people and the guys there um, who are amazing lads. They, with any sporting environment, anybody that's been involved in the sporting environment, when people find out that you're a Christian, the slagging comes and everybody sort of ditch it. But um, I suppose for me, when I played over at Bambridge, guys that I, I knew who were Christian whenever I just became a Christian, you know, there was this thing, that we, they played the game and went home. You know, there was nobody said about it and that relationship's just not being built. And for me, from this, from two years ago until until now, I just really felt like the only way that you're going to break through into people's lives and actually get on that level of relationship where you can actually get into the deep stuff. Because that's let's be honest, people need Jesus and people want Jesus. There's a there's there comes a stage in your life where people I don't doesn't matter who you are, you'll cry out for Jesus, so you will. Um, 
and I suppose for myself and Ryan and Big Ryan Emerson, um, there's a few others, there's a couple other guys as well, we're very, very blessed, there's a lot of guys in the team who are, who are Christian guys and we have sort of seen over the last two years now that there's been guys in the team who went through different stuff and for us it's just a real blessing that that we have been the guys that they're coming to, to just to chat to and just to um, just to, just to chat things over with and it's it's amazing and as I say that level of relationship just keeps growing and growing now that you would call them you know very close best friends you know and it's just amazing you see the impact of it's having off the pitch but also hopefully on the on the pitch this year you know just when you when you just get into people's lives and just um yeah just relationship for me is key yeah great and I suppose this is why it's these are examples of some of the things I'm sure Chris might touch on, but it's the intentionality of some of these things, so the intentionality of starting a degree later in life. It's the intentionality of actually choosing. So I, I know this for me. There's been times that I've asked him about doing stuff, and he'll say, no, it's practice night. I'm meeting up with the guys afterwards because this is part of his mission that he feels God's given. And there's an intentionality with that. So for all of us, for people in the room who you're involved with sports or other hobbies in different ways, other things, societies you might be part of, it's, it's a great example of that. And then finally, Dixie, just before Chris comes, to, to land us with us tonight with a bit of a teach. Obviously, we believe that helping to rewrite the story of the city, it starts with loving your neighbor. So love yourself. Why, why don't you share just a little bit about what we're trying to do as a church with, in, in terms of that of loving our neighbors? Yeah, so um, loving our neighbor. Um, we have a big church here, and I uh, suppose whenever we uh, look in the at the dynamics of where everybody lives, uh, there's not too many people from our, our, our neighbours. There's not too many of our neighbours that are coming through our building with the exception of uh, Connect Cathy and everything going on with Compassion. So we thought it would be a really good idea to um, ask a wee bit of door-to-door. Um, so myself and, and Judy have been uh, doing that uh, weekly and it's been amazing. It's been amazing as uh, Anna touched on it um, earlier there that um, our neighbours, when we're knocking doors, we're, we're talking to people who just feel there's no hope. And just to knock someone's door and just smile at them and give them an ear. And the conversations that we have had have been beautiful. Beautiful. We've seen salvation the other week uh, when we uh, knocked at a door. We've uh, had opportunities just to, to talk and pray with people as well. And it's you don't, it, people think that might be really difficult and it takes uh, a wee bit of boldness. There's no doubt about that. But when, what, what have you got to lose? What have we got to lose? We see this, uh, this uh, our vision statement to help rewrite the story. You know, it's a command. It's a command upon our lives to go and tell, to go and share the good news of Jesus Christ and bring hope into everyone's life and you don't know what your next door neighbor where regardless of where you live you don't know the the impact that you could have by just knocking the door and just saying who you are what you can do uh, as a uh, not only as a christian but even as a, as a church we can do to help people out there just to bless people it's just it's a great opportunity and we have just found it amazing i'm so excited about getting out of here this week um so Honestly, it's been a real game changer for me, you know, trying to think of different ideas to, to make evangelism exciting, to mix it up a wee bit, to be, to be a wee bit more uh, creative with it. And uh, the door-to-door stuff is just beautiful. We've even, we've even had uh, people just not one bit interested in them. 
uh, in, in us and who we are and what, who, who we belong to. But uh, we uh, with a common interest in guitar. He says I'm away and the 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 I'm not interested of to go and uh, put my guitars away. And I should have said, "Oh, what guitars do you have?" And he thought it was Colin's bluff. And uh, next thing you know, all right, playing it on the street. <laughs> it was a uh, good fun. But uh, it's unbelievable when you're just willing to give people time and just be intentional with that and just just love people and not come across. Just just be real. Just be real and don't judge. Just love. Always, I said that at the start. You know, even whenever I started uh, doing street work, the, the thing that I wanted to do was just look at people the way Jesus looks at people. That's a real challenge. Sometimes people upset you even by what they say to you or, or how they look at you or their response sometimes, but it's got to love people. Mm. Brilliant. So these the, these stories, we can give a round of applause in a wee second, but the, these, these stories are are just examples of, of what we're saying, just the intentionality of, of engaging with the neighbours to say as well, if there's anybody that wants to be involved in any of this stuff that we're doing as a rhythm within church as well, like any of the stuff with Dixie, I know there's people that are involved, if you have spare time, they would love to involve for that. But it's more about how we're doing it in our own neighbourhoods. We love our neighbours, the intentionality of spending time with friends and wherever we're at in everyday lives with our with the free time that we have available or the intentionality of what we're doing in our workplace and those things. It's just how God is leading us into this and we keep our eyes and ears open. We make the most of, of every opportunity. But just as Chris comes to, to land us and to take it home. Why don't we give these guys a round of applause tonight, can we? Just listen. Thanks, Dave. Um, after that, I don't really feel like a, a need to preach too much of a sermon. Um, and in fact, at the very end of my talk, so I'm not just skipping to the end, but I will skip to the end a little bit. Uh, there's a verse in, in 2 Corinthians 3, verses 2 to 3, and it says, You yourselves are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by everyone. You show that you're a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. And, you know, that's what we all heard. There is the story of people who allow Jesus to come and to write his story on their hearts, that they actually become a story, uh, a witness to the goodness of God. And that's powerful. That is really, really powerful. And that's what... Um, evangelism looks like. That's what seeing the kingdom of God come looks like. That's what rewriting the story looks like. It's it's one life at a time. It's one person at a time, one relationship at a time. And it's powerful. And um, it all starts with the sense that um, we are God's, are Christ's ambassadors. We're actually acting on his behalf. We've been given delegated authority to go into the world and to tell people the good news. And obviously we know that that comes from the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 19, where, where Jesus said, you know, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I will be with you to the very end of the age. And what we've heard is people who have taken that seriously, and they have gone. 
into everyday circumstances, very ordinary people, but telling an extraordinary story. So rewriting the story of the city, which is what I'm going to talk about tonight. And I just wanted to, to put up a few things um, for us to think about and maybe from, from those stories as well to help you. What would the circumstances that I am in look like if God's kingdom, rule and reign, was active and lived out where I am? Because this is where the rubber hits the road is. Where is it God has you? What would it look like if his kingdom came a little bit more. We need um, the imagination of heaven to start to think in that way because we go through life and we get into routines and we do things all of the time and then suddenly we realize, oh, do you know, maybe God wants to do something today. Maybe this circumstance can change. Maybe this thing that I consider to be normal and just ignore, maybe that can change. And the second question we need to ask ourselves is what gifts, abilities, and skills have I been given to make this happen? If God has called you to bring about change, if it gives you a vision, what has he put within you to make that happen? And then the third thing is, how can I partner with the Spirit to bring the supernatural reality of the kingdom into my situation, into my circumstances? Because you don't just do this on your own strength. You don't do it on your own wisdom. When we heard the different stories, we realized that we are supernaturally empowered to bring the kingdom. As Tristan was saying, he prays all the time, God, what am I going to do? I don't know what to do in this situation. I don't know how to help these people. Well, that's okay because the wisdom of heaven comes in and brings change and transformation. And last of all, Am I growing in my skill, experience, faith to make this happen? Are we constantly on a journey of change and transformation in our own lives? Are we moving from one experience to the next and growing within that? So I'd love for you to think about that kind of stuff uh, as we look at a passage of Scripture um, quickly. Uh, and so that we're always relating this to what does it mean for me? What does it look like in my life? And how can I grow in this? So I want to look... Um, tonight at a story. It's in Luke 19. I'm going to have the words up on the screen, but you can look at them on your Bible as well um, from verse 11. And it's a story, a, a, a parable that Jesus tells. It's called the parable of the minus. It's slightly different from the, the parable of the talents. Um, but I want to say as well, it comes in, in the context of, and uh, probably still in the situation of the story of Zacchaeus. And in the story of Zacchaeus, obviously, we have Jesus reaching out to somebody who is lost and broken, somebody who has been rejected by society, but Jesus sees him, and what does he do? He goes and he meets with him, and he has a meal, this lonely person, uh, like Anna was saying, that people need to be seen and loved and known, spend time with them. Jesus does that. The encounter, the love and the mercy that Jesus shows this man causes a transformation in his life. And it spills out in terms of generosity as he gives multiple times back what, what he has taken from other people. And the Pharisees don't like that. And in response to that circumstance, and in that circumstance with the Pharisees there, with people like Zacchaeus there, Jesus tells this story. While they were listening to this, he went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. 
he said, A man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then to return. So he called ten of his servants and gave them ten minus. Put this money to work, he said, until I come back. But his subjects hated him and sent out a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. He was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. The first one came and said, Sir, your mina has earned ten more. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a small matter. Take charge of ten cities. The second came and said, Sir, your mina has earned five more. His master answered, Take care or take charge of five cities. Okay, yeah. I'll just read it from here, actually, because then I'll get it right. Um, Then another servant came and said, Sir, here is your mina. I have kept it laid away in a piece of cloth. I was afraid of you because you're a hard man. You take what you did not put in and reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. You knew, did you, that I am a hard man, taking out what I have not put in and reaping what I did not sow. Why then didn't you put my money on deposit so that when I came back, I could have collected it with interest? Then he said to those standing by, take this minor away from him and give it to the one who has 10. Sir, they said, he already has 10. He replied, I tell you, whoever has, more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Now, if we were to think that this is the way God is, we'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? We'd be in fear or thinking, Flip, if I don't do these things everybody was talking about today, I'm going to be in serious trouble because God's just going to wipe me out, you know? Uh, and I think what we have to realize is that this is Jesus speaking to people who thought that God was like this. He thought that God was, was angry with them. He, he was a king that they didn't want to rule over them. And Jesus was saying, well, if you think that God is like that, then, then here's, here's a story for you. And I think as well that Jesus was speaking to a religious people who had kept the truth to themselves, that they hadn't been good servants and they hadn't been good stewards of God's truth and the revelation of God's nature, and particularly to the Pharisees, that rather than actually bringing fruitfulness about with the things that they knew and what God had entrusted to them, they had um, just brought a weight of, of religion upon people. And so I don't want to talk too much about that, but what I want to talk about is the way that God works when we're faithful to him. So the parable this parable is, is very interesting because we see that servants of a master have been given, in this case, money. A minor was about three months' wage. Um, and they've been given it, and they have been asked to be stewards of it. They've been given not just the money, but the authority to act on behalf of their king to go about his business. And, and so they then step out and go about a job to earn profit, to earn reward for what they have been given. 
They take responsibility for it. Uh, and in doing that, they had to steward it. And that might have looked like uh, having to, to trade and buy goods and sell things and invest in crops. And over a course of a period of time, they would have tried to figure out how they could take the money that their master had given them, do something with it in order to have a return. Now, whose money is it that they're working with? It's their master's. What is their role? They're a servant. And so the guy that does nothing with it actually is acting in two ways which are very strange. Number one, he's not acting like he has a master who's coming back. And secondly, he's not acting like a servant. In fact, he's just acting like a, a lazy, disobedient child. But we have been given great things by God. Talent, skill, ability. We've been given a story to tell. It's not just the story of what Jesus has done uh, that we read in the Bible, but the story of what Jesus has done in our lives. And when we are faithful with that story, as the Spirit works in us, God brings about an increase to us. And it takes risk and a step of faith to take what God has given you and invest it in the environments that you're in to invest it in relationship. Uh, and the thing about risk is, when you invest in relationship with a person and you want to see them come to know Jesus, does it always happen? No. And so what we do is we reach out and we reach out and we share the love of Jesus and we get involved in our community and we think, how can we see our business um, environment change or whatever God has placed us? We take everything that he has given us and we invest it. And we reap a return. And that return is, yes, people coming to faith. But more than that, it's that the areas that we find ourselves in start to look a little bit more like heaven. You see, we've been delegated authority from a king to be involved in his kingdom work. And therefore, the environments that we're in should start looking a bit like that king has arrived because as his representatives, the Bible sometimes used the word ambassadors, we actually represent him and are there on his behalf in whatever environments we find ourselves in. So what if we started to think like that was true? That if you're in school or college or university, that you're an ambassador, that you're representing, you're a representative of Jesus in that environment. And you're looking around that environment and thinking, well, you know, if God turns up here, what, what, what would change? What would th things start to look like? What can we do to make this look different? How can I play my part in that? Um, if you're a parent, a stay-at-home parent, you think, okay, my family, what does it look like for God's kingdom to come? Or in my neighborhood? Or whatever God has placed us, we start to ask that question. And what we do is we start to build up an experience of sowing and reaping and seeing the fruits of our labors and that we start to take risks. And when we take a risk, when we step out, we put ourselves in the place of faith. And uh, John Wimber, who founded the Vineyard Movement, used to say that faith was spelled R-I-S-K. You've maybe heard that before. But the, the thing about risk is that the first time you do something that's really difficult or hard, it's scary. But having done it once, it's no longer scary. So therefore, it's no longer a risk. Therefore, it no longer requires faith. 
And so the thing that we do that was scary once, when we knock a door and we think this is really scary, it might be scary the first time, the fifth time, the tenth time, but the twentieth time it's not. And so if we want to continue to step out and, and take a risk and have faith, what are we going to do? Because we've now created a new norm. And that's a fantastic thing, is that we create new norms and we start to become skilled and equipped to bring God's kingdom in the circumstances that he has us. And here's what happens in the story, is that the guys who um, had been given minus, that doubled what they had, or or they were given 10 and they had another 10 or, or 10 and they were given another five. There's a few different versions of this story. But but then the master says, look, I'm going to put you in charge of cities now. And that doesn't make any sense. I mean, imagine if you were good with money and you doubled some money and somebody says, right, now you're in charge, charge of Lurgan or now you're in charge of Portadown. You'd be like, I'm not equipped to do that. I can't do that. I was faithful with that money stuff. I can do that thing now. So let me do more of that. But God loves us and he's always stretching us. He's always pushing us into a place of faith and risk. And so in this story, I think it's um, very interesting that they're, they're put in charge of cities. Because they, they may not have any real skill in that area. And if that was me, having doubled some money to be put in charge of a city, I'd be like, God, I don't know what I'm doing. If you don't turn up, this city's going to be a mess. It's going to fall apart. I need you, God. Will you come and move? And will you help me? I need the wisdom of heaven to to figure out how to um, steward a a city and and to look after all the different things. And could it be that's exactly where God wants us to be? Could it be that actually he puts us in a place where we're going, oh God, oh God, I don't know what to do. That actually sometimes God forces us to pray because our circumstances um, require that. We cry out to him. Um, so, so just a wee story very briefly about uh, me and my wife, Debbie. In 2005, we sat on our sofa in our nice, comfortable house in East Belfast. We could drive to any of our family members in about five minutes' time. All our friends lived nearby. We were in a church, which was, which was great and wonderful. And, and you know, we had done things in church. We were part of the leadership team. We'd started Alpha courses from scratch. We'd seen friends come to faith. Um, we had uh, started servant evangelism activities and taught on that in, in different churches and environments. And we'd been stretched and we'd been grown over a number of years. And yet we sat in 2005 and went, I think God might be calling us to more. I think God might be calling us to step out and to take a risk. And let me see if I've got the right slide. Yeah, I do. This is a quotation from John Wimber. I've quoted John Wimber twice tonight, and um, that's just coincidence. Remember, (laughs) it's not just because I've spent like nearly 20 years of my life in Vineyard. Um, Remember, the economy of the kingdom is simple. Every time we come to cross a new threshold, it costs us everything we have we now have. Every new step may cost us all the reputation and security we've accumulated up until that point. It costs us our life. And so in 2005, Debbie and I said, well, I feel like we're maybe called to plant a church. What if it goes wrong? What if it is a disaster? We're talking about moving to Lurgan and, and, and planting a church in, in Portadown. What if that, what if that 
goes wrong. And do you know what we realized? The worst thing that could happen is that it was a complete disaster and that we came back home and went, oh, that didn't work. That was the worst thing that could happen. Do you know often when you just think about the worst thing that can happen, like talking to somebody about your faith and they go, I'm not interested, then having worked that out, you can just get on with it. There's no barrier. And so we, we sat and we said, but you know what? In 10 years' time, I don't want to be still sitting in this house thinking, what if, what if? What if we'd gone? What if we'd tried that? Would it have worked? I don't know. It's only when you step out that you find the answer to those questions. And so then at the end of 2016, when we felt that God was speaking to us again and saying, you know, I'm doing something new. And he started to speak to us about taking the church that we had spent the previous 11 years growing and to take that and to grafted into a group from Emmanuel Lurgan so that we could start a new church in Portadown again. We could do the church stuff now and God was calling us to a new thing and it meant putting it all in, putting it all on the line, taking a step of faith, taking a step of risk to see his kingdom come. And I, I think it's working all right so far. <laughs> 18 months in, and we've got a thriving church in Portadown, and we're, and we're, we're doing that, the, the two towers, the, the reaching across the city thing. It's amazing to be part of that. But wherever you are at, whatever you are doing, God is calling you to take a step of faith and a step of risk. You know, to the, the stay-at-home mom who attends a parent and toddler group and shares her life and her story, including all the tough bits with others, encouraging people, being a good listener. God's calling you. God is calling you in that place to take a step of faith to reach out. To the person that works in Tesco, let me just actually, I, I love this, but um, at Christmas time there, Tesco provided a free Christmas dinner for loads and loads of people. And a lot of them uh, I went with a few people because of the work we do with the food bank, but there were so many people that were sitting around who just were Tesco customers. And the staff had got to know them. The staff had built up relationship with them. They'd found out that some of them were lonely or maybe that some of them weren't going to get a Christmas dinner. And um, they built a relationship with them just as they were doing their job to the point where they said, why don't you come along and get a free Christmas dinner? Now, a lot of those people weren't even Christians. But does that look like the kingdom? Yes, it does. And it's so simple. So the, the, the people who are working in Tesco's, for anybody that knows Jesus that's working in a supermarket or an other retail environment, you have the opportunity to connect with people on a regular basis. And you meet those people who, who actually it's a lifeline for them to go and to buy things from a shop and to have a conversation. So I, I hate Hate's a strong word, isn't it? I hate self-service till machines because I believe that long-term they will rob us of community and relationship. That sometimes the conversation that someone has at a till will be the only conversation they have with another human being that day. And it might be convenient sometimes, and I use them sometimes, but if we let that sort of stuff happen in our society in the long-term, it's going to look a lot less like the kingdom. It's going to look a lot less like family and community because that's broken down and we're replacing human interaction with machine interaction. 
and, and that's not something that I think is good. And in fact, occasionally I'll go and ask for a manager and have a very long conversation about why I don't think this is a good thing. And if Tesco really cares about its customers or any other supermarket, by the way, they shouldn't do it. <laughs> my children despair. And my wife does too. But we can make a difference. We're called to be salt and we're called to be light. In Matthew 5, it says that you're the light of the world. And Christians have got this a little bit wrong at times. Sometimes we think that we're supposed to be like a torch. We're supposed to shine in people's faces and go, you need to get saved. You're going to go to hell. You need to stop doing this. You need to stop doing that. That's not the kind of light that we're called to be. We're called to bring illumination. We're called to brighten up the darkness, to change how things are seen. I was teaching this morning in Psalm 139, and it says that when God comes, the darkness is as light to him, because when he comes, all darkness goes away. We're called to, to be a light to the goodness of God, to push away the darkness in whatever environments he has placed us in. And we're called to bring the imagination of heaven in the circumstances. We're given the spirit of wisdom and revelation so we can speak truth and bring light and bring life. People should be seeking us out in the circumstances that we find ourselves in, in business and healthcare and education. Uh, and even if we are not the boss, saying, what do you think we need to do about this? What do you think we need to do about that? And as Tristan said, you know, it's from that place of prayer, we have, a, we have a connection with heaven. We can pull down the wisdom of heaven and bring it into a circumstance and situation and bring change and transformation and rewrite the story of our city. So, I talked about this earlier. I'll talk about it again very briefly. That we our story. You need to learn to tell your story. In all its ups and downs and bits of brokenness, your story is important. The enemy would tell you that it isn't. Your story has value. The enemy would tell you that it's boring. You don't need to invent some terrible um, Christian uh, story you know, where, where you did all these terrible things and then you got saved. Tell your story your ups and downs, what, what God is doing in your life. Let that be your great apologetic to the brokenness of the world. Here's what God's doing in my life. But last of all, not all of us have authority, but all have influence. When you get this, you will realize that you can make a difference. You see, authority comes from a title. It's a formal thing of like responsibility. You may be given orders. You may be manage a team or look after budgets or whatever. Some, somebody has placed on you authority. Uh, and people can operate in that. But if you don't have that title, if you don't have that responsibility, you might feel like you cannot make a difference. Who am I? What can I do? And the difference is with influence is that we all have the ability to influence. And influence goes beyond title goes beyond authority. Influence comes from the spirit of God moving through us. It comes from the imagination of heaven being spoken out from us. It comes from us carrying the love and compassion of Jesus, that we bring hope to the hopeless, 
that what we carry has a weight and significance and makes a difference. That when we walk into the room, things change. Lives change, people change, not because we are amazing, but because Jesus is amazing. And so what I want to just do as, as we're wrapping up and the band are going to come up, I want to ask you, you've heard all these stories, these fantastic stories today about what God is doing and has done. What does it look like for you to start taking a step or steps of faith and risk to make a difference? So maybe you need to invest in, in time, in relationships. Maybe you need to think, God, am I in places where you can use me? Where can I connect with other people? What difference can I make? You know, sometimes we're, we're in a system like the education system and we think, I can't change that. But you have influence. You have influence with people. Maybe there are systems and you think, I can't do something different about that. Um, Jason and Kathy Gordon, Jason's here tonight. Um, one of the things that they've done is that being involved with fostering, they realized that when a young mum has a baby and she doesn't know or, or is having difficulties looking after that little child, that, that the, fo the foster care system will very often separate the mum and the baby. And so they thought, well, what if we had space where we could bring a mum and a baby together and look after them and teach them how to do family? But they had to actually do something. They had to make room. They had to build an extension on their house to create the space. And when they were going to do that, they were told by social workers that there wasn't a need in the area. And before they had the extension finished, the phone calls started to come. Have you got that extension finished yet? Here's, here's a mom and a baby that need help. And they're going to be journeying that, as they have already done, journeying over the last few years, fostering. And, and other people um, in our church are thinking, what can I do? And like leave, invest an extra time in a relationship in the rugby club. And Anna thinking about her neighbours and Tristan thinking about um, what he is doing. We all have a personal responsibility. And so I'm asking you tonight, what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? What does it look like for you to make a difference? For you to influence? Where has God placed you? Because you're not in some random place right now. You don't have some random friends or some random workplace or some random uh, things that God has called you to be involved in. He is bringing about his kingdom purposes where you're at right now. And so I'd love for us to be stirred again to, to respond to that. So if you feel like um, God is speaking to you today and you feel like you're being stirred up as you've listened to the stories, if you've thought about where God has placed you, if you feel like God is stirring you up to do something, to make a difference, to, to reimagine what it would, your environment would look like, would you stand? Now, I'd love for you to do that. Do you feel like you want to say, God, whatever it is you're calling me to do, I want to respond. And maybe even he's just stirring a passion for your environment, for your friends, for your neighbors. Maybe he's revealing again some people in your life that you've maybe become disconnected with that he wants to draw you to again. Maybe he's implanting fresh imagination for your environment, fresh hope. 
think that uh, some of you are going to find that the dreams and visions of heaven through the Spirit are going to start resting upon you. So you might even have actual dreams in the night where God will show you something that he wants to change and something that he wants you to do. And if those things are slightly beyond you, it's not a bad thing. The servants that were faithful with a little were given more than they could handle because God made room for himself. He made room to bring his kingdom. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the wonderful privilege that it is to be involved in your kingdom purposes. God, that you call us, you commission us, and you equip us, Lord. You call us your ambassadors, people that follow in your way, people that are involved in your kingdom purposes. Lord, I thank you for every single person here tonight that has been placed somewhere with someone to make a difference. And I pray for fresh vision to rise within their hearts. But Lord, also that practical steps will be taken that investment will be made, that risk will not be something that we shy away from, but Lord, that we step forward and we believe that we can see things change. We thank you that we are empowered by the spirit of the living God to bring about the kingdom. So let your imagination, the imagination of heaven rest upon us. Give us visions and dreams awaken us again. And Lord, where there is disappointment, we just break the power of that in Jesus' name. Where we've done things and it hasn't worked out, we just acknowledge that. We acknowledge failure. We acknowledge when things have gone wrong, when we've looked stupid or hypocritical, or where we've messed up. God, we acknowledge that and we say thank you that we get to try again. Thank you that you continue to call us into your purposes. Thank you that there's grace. Thank you that there's mercy and thank you that there are new days and new things you're calling us to. Amen. Why don't we stand and we'll worship together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.